just before you take your seat, would you just chat to someone and just say, hey, happy Easter to you. God bless you. Would you... And although we are really happy, I also want to acknowledge that we need a faith and a theology that recognizes that we have a journey in this life. Amen? I don't want you to leave today not equipped to have some thoughts about, well, if Jesus is alive, how does that apply to my situation that I am going through? I wonder if you've got a Bible, would you turn with me to John chapter 11? I'm going to start reading from verse 17. We're going to read the story of Lazarus. But today, in a sense, what I want us to do is look at the dilemma of our lives. We have all this wonderful resurrection truth and how we can rise up even in the midst of perhaps some of the suffering and trouble that's in the, in the world or maybe even in our lives. You see, as we look at this story, the story of Lazarus, I believe it's kind of a symbol of what we're all facing and how God wants to get involved. You might be here today and you might be thinking, I I, I really wonder whether there is a life after death. And we want to acknowledge your question and your struggle. You might be watching online and thinking, you know, that's great what they believe, that's nice for them. But whether eternal life really is a reality and can the really, is the grave really the end? Really makes no sense if it is. But Lazarus was a man who died, but there's hope beyond the grave. John chapter 11 from verse 17 says this. On his arrival, Jesus found Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. By the way, how many of you think that God is never late? He's never late. Jesus arrives and on his arrival, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was just two miles from Jerusalem and many Jews had come out to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you what you ask. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Whosoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Turn to your neighbor and ask them, do you believe this? Do you believe this? This is a personal question to you today. It's a personal question to everybody online. Do you believe this? Whoever lives by believing in me will never die. 
Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is coming to the world. After she said this, she went back and called her sister, Mary, aside. The teacher is here, she said, and he's asking for you. And today, the teacher might be asking for you. In fact, in those days, rabbis never taught women. This is a very unusual thing for the rabbi to say, the teacher to say, I'd like to talk to a woman. He's calling you. So for some of you, you don't think that he's calling you, but he's calling you. He's including you. He includes everyone. And when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. And now Jesus had not entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who'd been with Mary in the house comforting her, notice how quickly she got up and went. I wonder how quickly you will get up and go and meet him today. Or whether he's got to send you 17 Easter cards, 15 cajoling messages, a Twitter feed, and a box of chocolates to get you to come to him. They followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to mourn. And when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her, he also, uh, with her, they were also weeping. He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. I believe Jesus is still weeping over some of the brokenness and and the brokenness in our world. The Bible says he's ever interceding for people. I don't think Jesus is this glorified Savior who is impervious to what's going on. I think those tears still flow. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, He called out in a loud voice. Why don't you say it with me? Lazarus, come out. Maybe you could put your name there. Kathy, come out. Or should I have said Mark, come out. Sister Nicola, come out. Brother Ron, come out. Come out of the grave. 
Come out from what's holding you back. Come out. The dead man came out. His hands and feet were wrapped in strips of living linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, to the community, you take off the great clothes and let him go. You have a hand in this healing, this ongoing ministry of healing. As we look at the story of Lazarus, I believe it is a symbol of what all we face. Some wonder if there's hope after the grave, if there is life after a grave, as if death really is the end. And there'll be some people today actually wondering that. We, we have questions like the two sisters had. Lord, if you'd have been here, God, if, if, if you'd have stepped in, that wouldn't have happened. And I don't believe the sisters were asking from a point of uh, complaining. I, I actually think they were asking from a point of, if you'd have been here, it would be different. But nevertheless, we all have these type of questions. God, why did that happen? We've sang, we've danced today, but there is those questions that linger on when we leave through these doors. Why, why did that happen, God? There is love in this story, and there's grief, and there's there's the things that we all feel and all that we have for others. And some of you may have lost some people during this season. And we all go through loss. And we see the sisters upset. We see the mourners upset, whether they were professional or not. And we even see Jesus crying. What this story seeks to do and what I want to do today is that actually I want to empower you and equip you, yes, to be joyful, but also to have a deeper sort of faith in a mature way that helps us to live through the messiness of life. When, when the singing is over and we have to live in the real world. You see, it teaches us, this story teaches us that God is prepared to get involved in the hardest parts of our world. When he heard about Lazarus being sick and then dead, he didn't say, oh, let's keep away from that because it might hurt my reputation. Actually, God says, let me come in to the most difficult areas. Let me breathe life into the most difficult areas. When you are going through the worst, God can come in. If you involve him, he will help you rise up. And I want to comfort you with that today. My, one of my most favorite people in all the kingdom right now has breast cancer. And she sent out her newsletter, and this is what she said. Accepting that this is the race marked out for me for now, without giving in to this disease, and believing and contending for healing, Trusting in Jesus in this process, not denying the reality of my everyday experience, being present in my emotions, recognizing there is more of God's glory to be revealed as I walk by faith through the challenge and the trial, and having expectation of God moving in ways that only God can move. I have never known his love so present and so powerful bringing me peace at this moment. That is what she said. Lazarus teaches us that God will be involved in your struggles. 
that he can breathe life into that. Now, this was a very dramatic breathing of life, but in some way, you can also have a resurrection even in the most difficult circumstances that you might face. So today, I want to ask you to hear a personal call from Jesus, to call your name, whatever your name is, to call you out from everything that's holding you back from having a deeper faith and a mature faith, that like Lazarus, you'll rise up with, with new life, new perspective, actually maybe new healing. Like Mount Martha, you will rise up in your faith and develop your faith. And that actually you may have been at the same plateau for a long time. I'm going to talk about levels of faith in a moment. But that actually you'll hear a call from Jesus saying, come on, I, I want you to go on to a deeper faith now. I'm going to say to those people who, who we're so blessed that you've come today, that you might be an Easter church uh, goer, that you think, I always go at Easter time, that maybe you can hear, hear a call that, that happened to Mary, where her devotion went deeper after this incident. Actually, if you know the Bible, and many of you do, that here we are in chapter 11 of John. In chapter 12 of John, it opens up with a, with a, a dinner guest, a, a, a party, and that Mary goes there, and she pours out oil an alabaster box of oil and perfume all on Jesus' feet. And perhaps Jesus is calling you to be a deeper worshiper today. That actually you rise up and that your worship goes up a level from this Easter. In deepening our faith, how can we rise up? Now, first of all, there's always our timing and then there's always God's timing. How many of you know God is never late? Oh, that's some of you. <laughs> but it sure does feel like it at times, doesn't it? No, none of you said amen to that. <laughs> Come on, let's have an honest church. We know God is never late, but it sure does feel like it sometimes, doesn't it? But can I explain to you what's going on here if you give me some grace? In verse 17, it says, on his arrival, Jesus had found Lazarus was already in the tomb for four days. Now, if you track it back, to John chapter 10, verse 41, Jesus was across the Jordan. It's a two-day walk to where Lazarus is. And um, so when Jesus found out he was sick, and then actually Jesus knew that he was dead, he still would have, if he'd have left immediately and just got up and said, right, we've got to go, he still would have been two days late. If he'd done that, then being two days late, he couldn't have killed off a superstition that the Jewish people held. The Jews believed that a soul hung around the grave for three days. They believed that the soul kind of hovered around the grave and could re-enter the body. Now whether that's true or not is immaterial. They believed that. And what Jesus was doing, and we sometimes we wonder, why did he wait? He was waiting the extra two days so that when he got there on the fourth day and when he did what he did, there would be no doubt that God raised up Lazarus from the dead. That it wasn't just this superstition, oh, well, that's what we believe can happen. That actually what 
Lazarus, uh, what, excuse me, what Jesus was doing was saying, I want you to be completely sure that it's me and that his glory is being revealed. Let me say to you, God is never late. And I know you're going through some things. And when you don't think God is on the move, he's just deepening things in you and in others so that he can get more glory and that you can see him more clearly. Jesus told the disciples, this sickness is not to death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. He is waiting so that you can see him more clearly. And I know some of you are going through difficult things, but he's deepening so that you can know him better. Understand that God has his timings that are about your welfare and that is putting something in you through those timings. Come on, rise up from your timings. Put your calendar away and get on God's calendar. Get on God's watch. Get on his schedule. And then as you say, well, God, the timing is up to you, you will see him more clearly. Number two, you can rise up because God is perfecting your faith. One of God's job is, is to kind of get a hold of how you believe and to mature it so that it can stand every test of this life. You know that this life is just the test. It's the rehearsal for a longer life afterwards. And what God is doing is refining you He's, he's, cha- he's changing you. Look, look at what happened with Martha. Martha made several confessions of faith, and each one gets better and better as she is in conversation with Jesus. Firstly, Martha says she has the kind of, oh, God does it all faith. If only you had been here. I, I believe that, you know, you'd, if you'd have been here, I wouldn't have to do anything, but you just do it all. That's the kind of faith that many of us confess, and it's okay. But it's not that personal. And then she says, I believe that he can do it all faith, but it's not specific to me kind of faith. When she says, I know that even God will give you whatever you ask. I don't have to do any asking. Jesus, do it all for me. Have you met people like that? That You know, they, they don't express their faith, but they want the prayer team to do it all. Or they say, Pastor, if you pray for me, as if my prayers are more important than your prayers. But I I believe, and I think she was expressing faith sincerely, but it's not the faith that Jesus wants. He wants faith that demands from us personally. And then she had the theological doctrinal faith. The faith that is ever so correct. Jesus said, your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise in the resurrection on the last day because I've got a master's degree in theology and that's what that tells me. And lots of Christians like that. They know their Bible. But it's not personal faith. It's just kind of theoretical faith. Well, I know that God can work it out. And they can give you ever so correct answers And and we need that. But it's not personal. But there is a personal faith that she then breaks through into. Jesus said to her this, 
I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live, even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me, they will never die. Do you believe this? Now, I'm wondering if he even pointed at her at this time. But she said, yes, Lord. And then she said three important things. She said, first of all, Lord, yes, Lord, you're the Messiah. You're the Son of God. And you're the one who's come into the world. There's three important, well, first of all, she had a personal yes. I I believe this. And then when she confessed him as Messiah, she confesses that he is the, the one who they had studied about, the one who they'd been promised about, the one who uh, they, they'd, all the promises were, the Messiah. It was a very dangerous confession. Now let me show you something. The, uh, where's my sister with the... With the you, see, you know, the Bible, when a Bible's well used, the devil's not amused, Okay. <laughs> I want to just say to you, you've got to have faith that says, I know this word, and I believe the promises in this word. When she said, this is, he's the Messiah, I'm going to keep your Bible, sister, is that okay, just for a moment? This is just a great testimony to your faith, because when she said, uh, she said, he's the Messiah, she was saying, I believe the promises, I believe the prophecies, I believe the law, I believe everything in this book. I am saying that my faith has come to a place that everything I've studied, I'm believing that now. This isn't theory to me, Jesus, you're the Messiah. That confession was enough to get her killed, but she was believing it. Let me tell you, You have to break through in a faith where you believe the book, you believe everything that's promised, everything that's prophesied, everything that's said. You need to break through to a mature faith. Can I hear an amen? Amen. My sister, you're amazing. You've got, you've underlined, you've got notes, you've got, you've got pages that that are worn, you've got squares, you've got little things. What an amazing, an amazing thing. This is much better than my iPad. <laughs> you know, I, don't, I tell the staff this, and not told you, I make notes on the Bible every day. Every single day. There may be one or two days when I don't, but I read the Bible every day, I make notes on it. Every day. Because unless you can break through to that mature faith that says, he's the Messiah, I believe everything that's said about him. And then she said, I believe he's the son of God. And that means that he's the son of God, that he has authority as God to take hold of everything that I want and need. God bless you. Let's give this sister a real round of applause. You have to then begin to rise up in your faith where you say, I not only believe you're the Messiah, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you have the authority to to challenge my life, to care for my life, to begin to speak into my life. You see, lots of people believe in God, but they don't give him the authority that 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 belief demands. And then she said, I believe that you're the one come into the world, and unless you believe, that he personally wants to come into your world. Your faith isn't personal enough that he delivers now. 
God is trying to shape and mature your faith. In fact, doesn't Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 say, in the same way we have to fix our eyes on Jesus. In the King James Version it says, the author and perfecter of our faith. In the NIV it says, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. He's trying to say, let me give you faith, let me shape your faith. You have to today, when all the singing is over, say, I want you to deepen my faith, Lord. And if I can equip you that way, it will serve you well. The third thing that's important for us to rise up is that we have to understand that in this world that we're in, that God is moved about your situation, maybe even more than you are. In this conversation with Mary, verse 33 says, Jesus was deeply moved. And actually, when Jesus saw her weeping and, and he saw those around him weeping, it says that he's moved and he's troubled in his spirit. Now, the original language is really interesting here because what it means is, is actually, I'm not going to do it, but it means like he snorted like a horse. And that actually there was, there was some anger there. That when he looked at the situation and saw the suffering of the family and the, maybe the shallow belief of the Jews, he was troubled at the situation. And he was troubled how this situation is a, is a symbol of, of the state of our world. Don't ever think that God does not care about the difficult things that you're going through and we're going through. And when it says that you saw the Jews weeping, they, they kind of had moist eyes. But actually in the original language it says that Jesus' tears ran down his face. God cares about your situation. He cares about the person that you've lost. It moves him deeply. And that while we are celebrating today, if you're a guest with us, please don't think that God doesn't care or we don't care about the difficult thing that you're going through in this situation. Now, hear it, listen to it, it's really important. Jesus knew that he was going to rise Lazarus up. But he didn't miss out the grieving part, the caring part. He didn't skip over and say, yay, we've got the victory. No. He said, I want to grieve with you. I want to hurt with you because I care about you. And if you're hurting today, you have a savior who is compassionate about how you're feeling. Don't ever think that God does not look on compassion over the situation that you're going through. He's grieving with you. In fact, he's not left you to your own devices. The Bible says this in 2 Corinthians, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we may comfort those who are in trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings in Christ, we will also share in the comfort that abounds through Christ. Let's remember to be a caring church, church. Let's not, let's not skip to the resurrection bit without going through the grief bit. Jesus knew what he was going to do, but he still took time out to know how people felt 
And as Pentecostals, sometimes we're very quick to say, oh, we'll just pray for you instead of actually listening to you. And I know we do that because we believe. But let's not miss out the faith bit. Of course not. But let's keep the loving bit, shall we? Fourthly, you can rise up today not only in helping God develop your compassion and develop and deepen your faith and to, to understand that God has his timings, but, but fourthly, we can rise up today by removing obstacles to our own faith. When, when they got to the tomb, it was Martha actually who had confessed faith, but then this was another level for her. Jesus said, take away the stone. And when he said that, what he was saying was, is I want you to remove the circumstance that you think is in front of you. And some of you have got some circumstances where you say, I can't serve God because. They were saying, he can't. Jesus is saying, you might not think he can rise because there's a stone there. Remove the stone. Some of you are saying, I can't serve God because I'm too old. Remove that stone of age and say, you can serve God. Some of you are saying, I can't serve God because I'm too young or too experienced. And God's saying, remove that stone. It's only a circumstance. Let's look at the circumstances a lot differently. But then Mary, uh, excuse me, Martha does something that most Christians do at some point, And it's a really dangerous thing. And we have to challenge this tendency in our lives. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time, there is a bad odor for he's been there for four days. She is being rational. She's being accurate, maybe, but she's not doing the right thing. You see, there are these rational reasons why we can't move into faith. Now, our faith is very rational. Our faith isn't that you remove your mind, but it's really important that you don't get into rationalism. The reason why we don't often do the right thing is because we see a reason why not to do it. We, we say, well, she didn't forgive him, so I'm not going to forgive her. Well, what's that got to do with it? You're supposed to forgive her anyway. It doesn't matter what she's done. Stop making a reason why you can't do the right thing. She's saying, you can't rise him up because there's an odor may be true, but that's not a good enough reason. Bring him out. I wonder if you have a reason in your mind for not doing the right thing, and actually God would say that's no reason at all. And that's why very, very dangerous. Well, he did that, so it excuses me from doing the right thing. That's rationalism. We do it often, we, we do it, we justify why we aren't doing the right thing because that's a reason. I want to say to you, remove your reasons and just do the right thing. It's one of the most dangerous habits that Christians get into. That you say, well, because they've done that, because the past was like that, we can't do that in the future. It's rationalism. How many of you want a blank page, a new star? Do you begin to say, hang on a minute, I can move into my future. Don't 
stop doing the right thing because you've got a reason that no longer applies. Do the right thing. Amen, church? Come on, let's give him praise. Do the right thing. Our personal deliverance and rising up is is specific, it's personal. So today, as I I close, I want to put the spotlight kind of back on me and back on you, back on Kathy, back on whatever your name is, Pastor Ron. Jesus commands Lazarus to rise up. It's specific, it's personal. You've all heard the story that if he didn't say Lazarus, everybody would have got out of the grave. But he calls you by name. And even though we're in this great crowd, and even though there's many people watching online, actually you need to him say to you, I need you to stop making reasons why you can't serve me. I'm calling you to a higher level of faith. In fact, doesn't the Bible say in Isaiah 43 verse 1, it says, but now this is what the Lord says, he who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear For I've redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. I just believe God is saying, Pastor Eddie, come out. I believe he's saying, Janice, come out. I don't believe this is a word to the crowd. I think this is a word to individuals. Yinka, come out. I believe he's saying, Rodell, come out. That he's speaking to you personally. That he's saying, personally, I want you to move on with me. I want you to rise up so that you can live a life more fully in this world. See, the command is that once people rise up, the command is to the community to say, you take off the grave clothes. Some of us are praying, saying, Jesus, can you take off the grave clothes? And Jesus is saying, I've given you that job. I want you to heal them. I want you to make sure they're truly free. I got them out of the grave, now you work with them. I wonder if there's anybody that you're taking grave clothes off. You see, Lazarus, he's going to die again. But God is calling us, all of us, to think that there's more to life than this. Much more to life than this. It doesn't make any sense that we live for a few years and then we pass on. Our souls don't feel that. The creation doesn't feel that. Everything groans within us. doesn't matter what David Attenborough does with CGI and dinosaurs and all the rest of it. All of that can be explained. But what you have to kind of begin to question now in your life is, how are you living with eternity in front of you? That when Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and the life, anybody who believes in me, will, even though they will, may die, they will live. The one who believes in me will live even though they may die. But, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? You see, Billy Graham one time, he was, he was called to a, a luncheon. He, he was 92 years old. At this time, his Parkinson's disease had, had really kicked in. and he, was, he didn't take many appointments, but the people who called him to the luncheon were the uh, people of Kentucky who wanted to honor him, and he, and he decided that he went. And, and they said, we don't want you to say much, but just give us a short, 
short speak. And as he, he got to the rostrum, he, he said this, well, this occasion reminds me of, of uh, Albert Einstein, the great scientist. He was on a train, Albert Einstein was, and he'd just been made man of the year in Time magazine. And uh, Albert Einstein came in, he, and the conductor came down, he was on the train down to Princeton, and, and the conductor came to pick his ticket up, and, uh, and to check his ticket. And he looked in his waistcoat, he looked in his pockets, he opened his briefcase, couldn't find his ticket anywhere. And the, and the conductor said, you know, uh, Dr. Einstein, we, we know who you are. We know that you would have bought a ticket. And it doesn't matter. We, we know who you are. And so he, he went down and was punching the other tickets. And he looked back. And Dr. Einstein's looking under the seat and still looking for the ticket. And he's, and he's saying, but Dr. Einstein, we know who you are. Don't, don't worry about the ticket. He says, yeah, I know who I am. I just don't know where I'm going. <laughs> I need my ticket. And I just wonder today whether you know where you're going. Billy Graham went on in that same luncheon and, and he said this. You see, the suit that I'm wearing, he said it. I bought a new suit for two occasions, one for this lunch, and they're going to bury me in this suit. My grandchildren have been saying I've been a bit slovenly in my old age. So he went out and bought this suit and for this occasion of my death. And he said, when I do finally die, don't remember my suit, but know this. And this is what he said. I not only know who I am, I also know where I'm going. May your troubles be less. May your blessings be more. May nothing but happiness come through your door. Life without God is like an unsharpened pencil. It has no point. May each of us live today our lives with our ticket punched that we don't have to worry about where we are going. Pastor Francis Chan does an illustration with a rope. I want to share with it, you with it today. Well, you have to kind of see that your life is like a timeline. And this is your life here on earth, but your life actually will go on and on and on and on and on and on and on. And one day, you'll go out the door. And it will go on and on and on. Pastor Ron, this is like your life here on earth. But your life is not just this bit. Your life goes on and on and on. And Pastor Scott, you see, as you take this life, it goes even out the door. <laughs> Happy Easter, Pastor Ron, by the way. <laughs> and many of us work. And, you know, we, we go to school and then... You know, we do our best and we get a job and we work hard and we have a little family and, and we work so hard and we're working hard for this bit. We're saving enough money so that we can have a good bit this bit. <laughs> and people say to me, Pastor Mark, you're so silly talking about this bit. You're so silly talking about this bit and we've got no evidence for this bit. And I go, no. You're silly. You're saving for this bit. 
What about this bit? And you might be here today and you're going, I'm doing so well. I'm doing so well in this bit. Oh man, I'm in this bit. I've got my house, my car, my wife, who's not a possession by the way. I, I've, got, <laughs> I've got everything I need. And all the while there's this bit, there's this bit, there's this bit. And God's calling you that you might be out the door. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, you're going to get this bit and this bit and this bit and this bit and this bit. Why would you only live? Why would you live just for this bit? Why would you put all your eggs in this little basket where I'm retired and I've got my little retirement home and all of this is stretching before you? Come and live. Come and live, church. Come on, let's give him praise. And actually, this bit is not devalued. Because actually this bit determines what happens in all of this bit. So your life now, all your ambitions, all your dreams, all your relationships, everything that you do here. I want you to know something. I was born Newcastle under Lyme. I lived in Stoke-on-Trent. I got 14 years in and I met Jesus at that bit and at 14 years old I met Jesus and it gave me all of this bit what about you how about it church come on let's stand together I want to say to you that Jesus is alive but will you rise up and hear the call that he wants you to serve him with a deep loving mature faith a faith that is compassionate, a faith that is deepened, a faith that isn't shallow, a faith that says, God, I trust your timings, a faith that says, I care about people, and a faith that says, you know what? I am going to live full on on this bit because I know I am going to enjoy the rest of eternity with you, Jesus Christ. Come on, let's give him a clap offering. So there's a part of me that says when people who, with all their theories, and say, oh, you're so naive, I look back at them and say, no, you're naive. They say, you're simple. I say, no, you're simple. Because I don't want to forfeit all of this for a few selfish years in this. How about you? If you're here today, and you don't know Jesus Christ. He loves you, but he loves you, but he loves you. And he wants you to come home to him. And if you're here today as a believer, he wants you to live to the full with a mature faith so you can make the most of this bit and walk in freedom in the rest of this bit. Come on, let's give him praise. <laughs>